This is the Photo Experiment Podcast, brought to you by PhotoBiz X. Welcome to episode 10 of the Photography Experiment Podcast, which is sponsored by the Image Salon. I'll tell you more about them later in the show. How do I introduce a photographer like Parker J. Fister, with the kind of portfolio and reputation that he has? Preparing for this interview, I find I'm in awe of what he's produced, his creativity and his skill. So instead of describing his photography, his awards and his achievements, I thought I'd give you a glimpse into his personality. I received this email from Parker when setting up the interview, and I think it's quite revealing. He says, By the way, most of my serious work is at parkerjfister.com. My wedding and portrait work is at parkerjphoto.com. You'll see the difference, I think. LOL. Parker, welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm lost, but I'm good. <laughs> is that revealing? I mean, I get the impression from that statement that the serious work isn't your wedding and portrait stuff. Uh, very, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my mind, it works out that way. I mean, you know, wedding and portrait is, is still very serious to them, and it's not my future which I take seriously. I think maybe that's more what I meant by that. But, you know, it's still the same. It's like I don't take it serious anymore because I've shot so much of them. I just go out and have fun at a wedding. Like, weddings are not hard at all for me. And if they allow me, I can enjoy them. But it's not my serious work. It's not the work that I sweat over. It's not the work that, you know, I create out of my mind completely I'm given a beautiful bride and a beautiful venue and a beautiful dress. If I can't make something good there, I need to throw my camera away. But when you like start from scratch, like that's where the parkerjfister.com, that's what that stuff all is. Like, you know, 90% of a shot on a white background, there's nothing. And you have to make it from nothing. And that's that's more the serious work I think that I was talking about. Cool. I want to dive right into the, the serious stuff. <laughs> I really do. Okay. But, All right. Here we go. <laughs> well, before that, you had that, that divide between the serious work and the fun work. Can I be so bold as to ask you, where does the income come from? Like, how do you make money from photography if you do? Weddings and portraits. How can that not be the serious side? Because I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you know, I shoot 10 weddings a year and that supports me in my serious work. Okay, so I did my first ever portfolio review in New York City last October, right? Mm -hmm. And I met with one commercial celebrity photographer by the name of Chris Buck. And, you know, I want to do like serious portraits. So in my head, like taking pictures of someone's kid isn't a serious portrait. It's their portrait and they're going to love it. But in my head, it's like, it's not where I want to go. I want to shoot more celebrities. I want to shoot more fashion forward portraits for Vanity Fair, for Vogue, yada, yada, yada. And so I met with a guy who does that. And I went up, I sat in front of him. I had like 15 minutes with Chris Buck and showed him my portfolio. And he's like, it's all fantastic. You can be my lighting guy any day you want. Like I will give you the job. And he's like, so tell me about yourself. And I said, well, I shoot 10 weddings a year and that supports me for all, you know, this work, which I consider my future. And he's like, really, can I see your wedding work? And I'm like, no, I don't want to share it. That's not what I'm here for. He's like, well, I want to see, you know, how you make your money. And I'm like, okay. So 
pretty hesitant on this, but I show him my portfolio of the wedding work and he's like, okay, so you're telling me you shoot 10 of these a year and that completely supports you for the year. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. Um, looking at your wedding work, it's some of the best wedding work I've ever seen because it looks like you're out there just having fun. Like you're creating art on somebody's wedding day and it looks like you can do whatever the hell you want. So the best advice I can give you is seek therapy. <laughs> well, and I just like, my face just dropped and I looked at him and it's like, like for real, is this the advice I'm getting from Chris Buck? And he's like, okay, I want you to think about this. Let me put this in perspective. You get to shoot 10 weddings a year, go play and do whatever you want, create beautiful images and everybody loves it and that pays your way. And you want to give that up just so you can shoot this stuff? He said, I'll put it in perspective for you. I'm leaving for this job. I'm getting paid X amount of dollars for five days, which he told me the amount, but I don't want to divulge that because you know I paid for his time. And it was just like not really that much money, but he's shooting a very famous celebrity for a very large magazine. And he's like, in the meantime, I'm shooting like forks and knives and stuff. He's like, that's the perspective if you want to get into this game. He's like, I think you could be a perfect fit for this game. But, you know, to give up, because I made a pact with myself that like five years, I'm not going to shoot any more weddings. Well, I've got like two years left in that pact. And I was trying to figure out an exit strategy, if you will. And now I don't really have an exit strategy. I can shoot 10 weddings a year and have fun with it. And he really put it in perspective for me. Okay, you've come away from that conversation with Chris and thinking, yeah, he's right. Yeah, absolutely he's right. I agree too. I can't believe you, you'd want to stop. Well, you know, it's just one of those things where it's not really the shooting of the weddings. Like I love to photograph weddings because – I get to sharpen my blade in every aspect of my photography because, you know, I've been a landscape photographer. I've been a photojournalist. I've been, you know, a fashion a portrait. I've, I've shot everything and it all comes together and collides at a wedding. So I get to sharpen my skill on every aspect of that. I get to wear all those hats on that day. So why not? Yeah, but what's interesting to me, and I'm sure the listener, is the fact that you couldn't see that, you know, that was sort no. of disappearing. I was blinded by making this new work, like it was taking over. And if I don't put a hundred percent into it, it was going to get away from me. And it wasn't going to be my, like no one would take me serious if I did that. And so that's why, you know, he also gave me some advice. Like you need to separate the two, like you can do both, just separate them. And I hadn't at that point. So now, you know, that's why I said my serious work is at Parker J. Fisher. My wedding and portrait is at Parker J. Photo. So that's the two, you know, I did end up separating and Instagram as well, separating those two, and I think is better for my creative juices for sure. It looks like you're pretty serious about that separation too. I mean, it's so obvious when I go to your Instagram account that, you know, you're sending wedding people to the wedding Instagram account. You know, has that been difficult to maintain the two different, I guess, personas? Well, no, I just started four days ago, actually. Oh, is that recent? Yeah, I just made the wedding site four days ago. And I think we have like 500 followers already, which is okay, I guess. And so that's getting things, you know, putting the right people over there because, you know, some mothers of the bride, some planners, they can deal with like, you know, nudity and strange abstracts and some can't. So, you know, I want to point them in the right direction. I don't want to offend anybody. On the other hand, you know, if you get offended by nudity, you just 
have issues with yourself. So, but we won't go into that or <laughs> will we stay tuned? <laughs> if you're shooting 10 weddings a year and that is enough to support the rest of the things that you do. Yep. Do I make the assumption that you're charging 10 or $20,000 per wedding or you're surviving on very little? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I live in a tent and no. So about four or five years ago, I kind of had this, this idea. Well, I guess it was four years ago when I dropped it down to 10 because, you know, I started out at 20 and then 15 and now 10 and just kind of weaning down each like five years or so to a reasonable amount where I can maintain my serious work and still make the clients happy and be personable. But I made this idea with myself that I want to shoot three, three, three and one. So that's 10 if you can't do the math. So three weddings are, and I work with primarily two or three planners in the world. And I work at three or four venues. And then outside of that is kind of roulette. So I have one planner who basically is my cheerleader for the top tier three. So the top tier three, they pay a ridiculous amount of money because they want everything. And they're going to fly me to some crazy exotic place in the world. So those three weddings are pretty large. So, you know, they'll flutter in in the 20s, 30s. I have not hit 50 yet, but I was about $300 short of that. Wow. That was four years ago. You're doing okay with the whole wedding photography thing. I suppose. It's kind of funny. (laughs) Like, it's almost embarrassing because I haven't advertised in 13 years. Like, not as nothing. And it's all word of mouth and it's just keeping my little circle. What's scarier is, you know, every year I go down a little bit in my circle. Planners drop out or, you know, people just aren't getting married in that circle with that money and and their wants and desires. And I, you know, I think it's getting smaller each year. So it gets a little scarier. And when you whittle down to 10 weddings, it just inevitably gets smaller and it's a little scarier, but every year it works. I still get my 10 easily. So I do those three that are kind of the top tier and I do three more that are kind of somewhere in the middle there. And then I do three, which are kind of a, an entry level collection, if you will. And then I do one every year. That's just because I want to shoot it. And if they pay me a little bit, great. If not, that's fine too. But it's kind of like I want to just give something every year. So I'll give somebody a wedding photography, my, you know, my images every year. And it's pretty much every year, it's that wedding that stands out the most. Yeah, right. Because your pants selected that one, I'm guessing, and they fit with what you want to photograph. Yeah, it's like, you know, I get a few inquiries. I don't even get a lot of inquiries. I can't really say that because I don't advertise. They don't like come in from all over the place. But I'll get people who just like, just find me out of the blue, have not a clue what I charge and come in or they come in off the street, even to my studio here in Asheville. And they're just like, oh, we'd love you to shoot our wedding. Are you available this? And we hang out and it's like, oh my God, these guys are awesome. They're having a real wedding with real people and they're just as real as it gets. And they're just so into trying to make this work. It's like, I don't even tell them my pricing. It's like, well, let's see if we can make it work. And it makes me makes me smile inside, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. These wedding clients and portrait clients, do you think they're aware of your 
quote-unquote serious work, is that why they're coming to you? Or are they coming to you because they know about your wedding portfolio? More of the wedding portfolio. But the first thing they see when they come into my studio, and this is the way ever since I've had a studio for the last 15 years, I guess, where I've had just like, you know, a brick and mortar, as we call it. Um, the first thing they always see is my serious work. Like the wedding stuff is always in the back or in another room. Okay. Will you have something as bold as one of your constraints prints up on the wall? Oh, yeah. They're on the wall in my studio. Like as soon as they walk in, they're in my front window, actually. Okay. So it's pretty confronting. Like five feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something that I want to get across that I am a photographer. I am not a wedding photographer. And that's something that I sell. And it's funny because just by crossing that bridge with them, they don't ask for anything else other than to me to be a photographer, which takes the handcuffs off of me, which frees me of constraints that like I don't get a list of this is what I want you to shoot. They know when they come in, they see the landscape, they see the constraints. It's like, okay, this guy's got this. Just go do your thing, Parker. We want what we see on your walls. And that's it. And that's what you must love to hear. That must be great. Yeah, that is my client. And if they don't see that, like I had this long running thing where people come into the studio, if we're having a consultation and someone's coming in or whether they're just happen to be in town or they fly in just for the consultation, when they come in, if they don't spend some time in the big room with all my, my serious work, then they're probably not my client. Like I can spot it a mile away. It's like, if they just want to like, where's your wedding work? then they don't get it. And I really don't want to shoot their wedding. And it's not, not like, you know, being an ass or anything. It's like, I want them to have the best wedding photographer for them. And I'm probably not it. If they can't like get into that work, I want them to get into that work. I'm not saying my work is great and they should be in awe of it. I just want them to connect with me. And that's my connector. Like, that's how I see, that's how I live. And I want them to join with me. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your serious work because that's what I want to know about, especially, and I'm sure the listener does too. Who are you creating this work for? Me. Really? Because, I mean, you mentioned Vanity Fair and, you know, shooting celebrities. I mean, is this to get noticed? It's for me to have a portfolio. It's the same reason I shoot weddings too, though. I shoot weddings for me. I always have, and I've been called out so many times on this. And it's like, you know, if I can show a body of work and they can just sign off and say, go do your thing, then they get it that I am shooting for me. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. But I'm sure that if you're shooting for a client, you still have to satisfy them to some degree. I mean, they're paying the bills. Well, I have to satisfy them, but their satisfaction comes through knowing that I got this. Like, I just do what I normally do. Like, I shot my first wedding in 1984. So I've been doing it a while. And I was a sophomore in high school with an RB67 and an Icromat. And Hang on. You're not going to go into a bride, you know, when she's about to slip on her wedding gown and say, you would look fantastic in my constraints-themed portfolio. <laughs> Let's tie you up before you get into that wedding dress. Already done it. Oh, get out. Really? That was the engagement session. <laughs> her and her fiance tied together in constraints. And it was wonderful. And, okay, I also have done constraints on the mother of the bride who had come out because they see the series of work. They come in the studio and literally this woman started crying 
when she saw it. Lost her shit. Can I say shit? Yeah, of course. Okay. This has an explicit rating. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. She absolutely lost her shit. And I was just like, okay, well, what have we got here? And we got into a little conversation. And that is how she saw herself living the last 30 years of her life in the marriage that she was in. She saw that. She told you that when she's there for her daughter's wedding booking. Yes. Holy. And it was huge. And she's like, I, and she kind of like puttered around. She's like, would you photograph me like that? I want that. I'm like, absolutely. So she wanted the line. So we shot that and then we cut it all off of her. Well, we shot some with it on as well, but we cut it all off and we wanted to see the lines that it left, not while it was on there. So she was tied up for quite a long time. (laughs) Oh, wow. I can't believe I just said that. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, it means and that's what it means to me. Like some people see it as bondage. And to me, it's not bondage. I didn't say that. Yeah. These are constraints that we put ourselves in that limit our lives. And it's just it's just freaking crazy sometimes. And that's what started the whole thing. And actually, I'm just getting ready to release a short film on the whole thing within the next couple of weeks. And it's just all about that. And it's the struggles with our constraints that we put on ourselves. While we're talking about constraints, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. (laughs) (laughs) Where it is now, when I look at that body of work, is that what you pictured when you started this body of work? No, no. It started as just a visual geometric aspect. And that's it. What do you mean? You mean just a look? Yeah, it was light and lines. And it's funny. It's like that's the way I shoot, you know, all the nude series. I've had a couple models actually ask me. It's like, do you even see me naked? It's like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. You know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think when I get older, I'll look back and say, damn, I should have <laughs> taken the time and looked a little closer. But, but I don't. I see lines and light, and I just want to create just that. And that's all they are to me is this geometric shape that is interesting. And it's kind of the human form, but it's kind of hard too, which the human form isn't at all. The first shot, you know, from this series, did you have an idea that this was going to be a series? Like just talk to me about that very first step, how this was born, the first image. It's called whiskey and it works (laughs) wonders with a camera. Uh, No. Do you believe that? Do you need to be intoxicated or under the influence to create? No, 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 no. No, Because I know that a lot of people think that you need to be the tortured artist to create art. No, no. Well, maybe a tortured artist, not an inebriated artist at all. You're taking the piss. Yeah, I've very, very, very seldom been under the influence when I'm making any of the work. Well, of alcohol. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it screws in my head. Like, I don't know. I, I saw like the patterns of a leaf and wanted to because I, you know, played around with projection stuff for years and it just eh, it was OK. I just wanted more cutting more. And that's where the twine and the yarn and the metal and the, you know, all the other stuff that I used to do that with. That's where it all came in. Yeah, okay, but, you know, you get this inspiration, you saw the leaves and you've been playing with projection and then you shoot this first photo, the first image in this series Mm -hmm. and it's not a series at this stage. No. That's what I want to hear. Like, do you see that first one? Well, I did three. I did three in the first setting 
So all it was was it was the three. It was the torso with the black twine. And I did a profile complete, which was my idea. And I was like, okay, I want to shoot a profile because I don't want to see any any like genitalia or any parts. I don't want it to be explicit. I want it to just be form. Well, I did that, but then I turned her slightly, and then I turned her slightly the other way. And it turned into this kind of a triptych thing. And I was like, wow, you know, that's like a whole series in itself. It's like, I think I can go further with this. But then as I sat back, you know, so that was the first series I shot with. It was the Black Twine, right? And as I sat and just kind of, because I print everything. Like everything is printed in a drawer. Like it just doesn't live on my hard drives. All my fine artwork is in my vault with all the, you know, they're all 1114s and they're all printed. So these are shot digitally, but you print them? No, 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 no. These are not <laughs> shot digitally. No. They're shot on film and scanned. No, not even that. They're printed from film. No, not even that. Tell me. Okay. They're made on paper. So I, I use an 8x10 view camera with kind of modern lighting. So, you know, I'm using ring lights and all this. That doesn't go with 1908 at all. But I'm using that in conjunction with paper negatives. And so I'm shooting directly onto silver gelatin. So the capture, if you will, which I, I don't like the word capture, so like that makes me twitch when I say that. The exposure of that image, the making of that image is direct to silver. And it's not on film, it's on paper, which has an ISO of two. So, you know, each one of these shots is a minimum, a minimum of 6,000 watts of light. Wow. 6,000 watt seconds. It's hot in that room. Oh, man, you get a suntan like every time you come in. It's pretty rad. It's like, you know, a lot of them will have 16,000 watts. So I've got four 4,000 watt packs that light one single exposure. Yeah. And so out of a shoot, I'll shoot maybe six to eight frames. That's kind of a good day is six or eight frames. And that's it. That's a day, really a day. Yeah. That's like six hours of work. Like we'll set everything up. Everything has to be, you know, you get one shot at it. That's it. And so you want to make it perfect. And that has completely changed my digital work, too. Like over the last seven, eight years, my digital work is, has like dropped dramatically of how much I shoot is because, you know, I've gone back to these methods that I grew up with. And it's like I just need to throw the anchor out. And I think it's made me a better artist for sure. Yeah. Well, your work speaks for itself, Mark. It really does. So you've got these first three images or prints. Yep. So I'm sitting looking at these three and I realized like there's more to this than form. What do these mean? And, you know, I think uh, I think Ernest Hemingway or somebody just told me this the other day. It's like write drunk, edit sober. And I think I go the other way. <laughs> I think I think I photograph sober and edit drunk. Because, like, I sat and look at this, and it's like, whoa, there's more to it than, you know, it's all in front of me now. It's out of my head. It's on the paper, and I'm looking at these. And it's like there's more to it than just geometric form here and light. I mean, there's a story. So at this stage, there's no project. This was just one yep. scene that you wanted to get out of your head and onto print. Yeah, pretty much everything works that way with me. Even the short film that I told you I made, mm -hmm. I didn't know I made it 
until a week ago. <laughs> Is this under your motion tab? Well, no, I had done it. I had shot this film over the last six months, but I didn't know I was making the film until two weeks ago because all I was doing was collecting visually interesting 4K footage. That's really all I was doing, documenting all this project that I was doing until I put it all together and sat back and looked at it. I was like, oh, my God, this is a story from beginning to end. And I had no idea I was doing it. And everything I do works that way. And I don't know how to explain that, but that's the way I work with everything, just completely backwards. Let's stay with the constraints because I think that'll okay. Sorry, that'll Sorry. help us. That's okay. I told you, I wonder. Uh, you did. You warned me. <laughs> so you've got these three prints of the woman or the torso wrapped in twine. Uh-huh. You realise there's more there. First of all, do you show these to someone else? Does someone else say, "Parker, you've got to do more with this," or is this in your head? Is this happening in your head? No, this is pretty much happening in my head. Outside of a very small handful of people and the model herself. No one said like, yeah, I have an issue with sharing things like I sit on images for years and years and years and years and years and never show them. So this is a big step for me, putting this out there in the world on this website. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's just I to answer your question. No, I just sat with it and I create for myself and I don't know why, but someday I'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, talk me through the next step. So you you realize there's something more here. What is the next thing you do to make this theme or this project take the next step and the next look? I get out my yellow post-its. And anybody that's ever been to my studio or knows me knows exactly what I'm talking about is laughing right now. Because on every surface of this studio, there are yellow post-its. And what is written on them? What's on them? Well, if there's words, it's pretty cryptic. Well, I have one in front of me that it says lace face. I don't even know what that means, but it says (laughs) lace face. On camera lighting Rembrandt is one in front of me where underneath of that is a little picture of a camera on a tripod with a flash on top, bouncing light into a reflector beside the model with the snoot lighting the side of her face. So you can do on camera Rembrandt lighting. So that's just my ideas. Like I draw and next to that, you haven't even heard about the pig and the unicorn project yet, which no one has. So I'm dumping it here first, (laughs) but I won't tell you too much about it because it's really weird. But next to it is a pig looking through a hole in the wall of a girl with a unicorn head. I have no idea where that's going to go. Okay. It sounds like things pop into your head. You reach for a post-it note and jot it down or draw something. Absolutely. It's all over the place and all over my phone, like my notes of dreams and strange things that I just have these ideas like, oh, wow, how do I do that visually? How do I do the men or pigs and the unicorn is this creature that you can never obtain? How do I write that story in a photo? One single photograph. Why do you use post-it notes if they're all over the place? Why not just have a notebook in your pocket all the time? Because I have a stack of post-it notes. <laughs> like, I don't know. They just happened to be here and I started doing it. It's like the whole, the whole script for the movie, the little short film that I just did, is literally on a stack. Like They were all over my desk. That's the whole timeline of the film. And now they're all just stacked up on top of my hard drive sitting over here. And that's the storyline. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to drag you back. 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's a constraint. So you've got some post-it notes, you've got some ideas. Can you give the listener an idea of what you're writing down on the, or drawing on these post-it notes and then how you took it to the next step? Who was the next model? Where did you find her? Okay. Well, finding models is not a hard thing for me in the town that I live in. Our motto in our little town of Asheville is keep Asheville weird. (laughs) So I have a plethora of models that just want to collaborate with me. It's all TFP or trade for print where, you know, I will do a shoot and I will give them a, you know, like an 1114 print signed, numbered, and that's their payment. Okay. One print rather than... Yeah, well, you know, when they come in, they see prints everywhere. So, you know, that's what I pitch to them. I want to give them a print. I want to change that, you know, they get shot by all these photographers and they get like a Facebook file or what have you, you know, and I want to separate myself. I want to give them something that I feel is going to be worth something someday. That's what I want. So I give them one of two artist proofs and that's what they all get. So I do series of 10 for most of my work, and then I do two artist proofs. Okay, you've got models assorted. So finding a model is easy. Coming up with another concept, you know, I think after the twine, it's like, okay, so what can I use next? So next, I found an African-American lady who wanted to model for me. And so I was like, okay, so I use black twine on a very white, pasty, not pasty. Sorry. Sorry, Jackie. I don't mean pasty. Um, <laughs> on a very white-skinned person. So now I wanted to use the opposite of that. So I found some white twine and used it with the darker skin, which gave a whole different look. Are these the solarization-type looking images in your portfolio there? No, I don't think that's them. Those are actually... Oh, no, I've got her. She's further down white Caucasian, but I think you'll find somebody that's real, real dark skin with the white and she might be holding an ax. Yes. Got it. Cause I wanted to give her a way out too of her constraints. Like most everybody in the constraints can easily slip a hand out or be out of this situation that they put themselves in. So that's kind of part of it, which, you know, I didn't think about that for the first three. It's not there. That doesn't exist, but it started to kind of morph into this, like the story kind of unfolds as you go. So that was the next model. And then, so, you know, it started becoming, it's like, oh, what can I wrap around people to do this kind of thing? And then it started kind of twisting into these other things where I wanted a ballerina and the constraints that she puts on herself, like her training, going through the motions. I even made a little stop motion animation on my website under motion with that whole process and what that looks like. So I wanted to do that with her of, you know, how hard she trains to be a professional ballerina. And so like going through the motions and like hoisting her leg way high in the air beyond what her body can do is her constraints. It's like, you know, she's putting herself through this. And so just kind of going down that line and it just goes from, one to the other. And now, you know, it's these, uh, I've been shooting a lot of these plastic dresses that I've made, which people are saying, oh, you know, they're beautiful. They're like avant-garde fashion images. They're still constraints. That's what they are. So it's still the ongoing project. Only now we're wearing these constraints as a beautiful disguise. And that's what it is. 
And that's kind of what this film is about that, that I'm putting out too. What about when I scroll down through your portfolio in this same theme, the constraints theme, and then I see something, you know, a bit more out there, like there's a girl there, she's got rope around each of her breasts and she's holding the rope between her teeth. Yes. You know, almost like a... What does that say? Well, constraints for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. What about a fight of age? What do women think about? Oh, is that right. She's trying to keep her breasts up. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And that's as she's seen by the public, you know, and it's like, you know, they look at themselves as, you know, oh, if my breasts fall, I'm not youthful anymore. And it's like, you know, that's what they put in their heads. And it's like, you're still the same person. Like, it's just, it's silly to me, which I get it. You know, I'm not discounting that at all, but, you know, it's, um, it's just that. I totally get where you're coming from and I can understand and see the point you're making with the photo. When you come up with that idea to wrap rope around her breasts and get it, (laughs) this is what I'm curious about. Like, Okay. You want to know that story? Well, I want to know how you put it to the model and what her reaction is. And do they just say yes to anything? Well, I met her about 45 minutes before the shoot. She didn't come in for a shoot. She came into the front gallery to talk to my gallerist. Oh, my God. How did you get to this photo 45 minutes later? And I looked at her and I was like, my God, you are beautiful. Like her hair and face and lips. And it's like, I would love to photograph you. And she's like, sure, fine. And I'm like, awesome. I'm set up in the back. And she's like, okay. So we went in the back. And by the way, this is Valentine's Day three years ago. So this was her Valentine's Day present. And... We went in the back and I made a couple of photographs and she looked around. I mean, you know, people know what they're getting into when they sit in front of my big camera. Like they can see like everywhere on the walls around me is images like this. And so it, it starts a conversation like, you know, I didn't throw this on her. She like I kind of want to do something like that over there. Because we made a couple just really nice, beautiful portraits of her hair. She said that or you said that? Yeah, No, she said that. And I usually let them open it. Unless I'm like working on an ongoing project and put like an email out to my friends and like, hey, I've got this thing going. Anybody interested in doing this? Trade for print. And then, you know, we have like a little Facebook group. And they're like, yeah, count me in. I'll be there at whatever time. So they know what they're getting into there. But this was kind of different. And so she kind of, you know, mentioned it. And I was like, okay, well, talk to me. And so we started talking back and forth and she's like, you know, I, I kind of, I'm fine going topless. You know, my, you know, the boobs are sagging a little bit now, but, and so that kind of sparked this idea in my head just by that passing statement of how people see themselves. It's like other people don't see them that way. Only they see themselves that way. It's like, if she would have taken her top off, I would have not in a million years said, wow, your boots are sagging. <laughs> like that wouldn't have crossed my mind. Of course. But that's the way, you know, it's this self view that we all see ourselves, that we all have when we look in the mirror naked. It's human nature for 90% of the people out there. And the other 10% go to Burning Man and don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she has this passing statement. Does this idea spring into your head or do you work up yes. to this? No, it absolutely. Because I had just shot the ballerina with the little noose thing around her arm. And I just shot that like, I don't know, a week or two before that. 
So I had this like hangman's news hanging from my ceiling anyway. And I'm just like, oh, wait a minute. How could. And then I, I get thinking and it's like, ah, uh, this is what I want to do. What if. OK, bear with me. That's what I'm telling her. It's, what if we put one of these each around your breasts and you're like hoisting them up never to fall? You're fighting age. You're fighting gravity. You're fighting your perkiness or whatever you want to call it. And she's like, fuck, yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So I let her put them on her breast. I don't put them on her breast, but I handle the rope and like make sure it's tight and everything. And once they're in there, I'm like, okay, so you're going to hold this up. And then it morphs into, well, wait, let's see. How can, maybe it won't be in the shot. You can hold it in your hands. I'm like, wait, shit. All right, take them off. So she took them off. We shortened the noose. And I'm like, this is going in your teeth. And we put it in her teeth, put her hand behind her back to push everything forward with the 8x10 camera. And, and it's just, it's, it's one of my favorite images because it screams. How many frames did you shoot? One. That's it? One. Most all of this stuff that you see on here is one frame. There's an occasional two. Okay. Did you try any other poses, any other looks, any other nope. ideas? That was it. One shot. That was it. One shot. And we shot a couple Polaroids after that. Why? Because I wanted a little bit of color, but not with this. Like that scene was just that. That is one frame and that's it. But I trust, it's funny, I trust my Deerdorf 8x10 more than I trust any of my digital cameras. Like I know exactly how that works. Not that I don't know how a digital camera works, because I do. But I know I can take one shot and it's perfection. Now it could be in my head. And probably is like, I could probably do that digitally too, but I don't like, I have to shoot a couple, which is strange, but I can't just stop. And it's just one of those things I think, because you can like, you know, with the large format, you really, you know, the frames per second on an eight by 10 is pretty low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to be conscious of your time here and I haven't thanked my sponsor. I've got to do that. Okay. And I want to get some practical advice for the listener as well. So first up, I want to say thanks to the Image Salon for sponsoring today's show and making it happen. They are the image editors. If you are shooting a lot or even if you're shooting a little bit and you want some help, you want to free up some of your time, you will get assigned an individual editor. You will work with them or they will work with you to come up with the look of the images that you're trying to get. So whether that's something you currently have or if you're working towards a certain style or feel or look with your images, they will help you get that look. And the good thing is when you go back the next time and the time after and the time after that, you'll be going to the same editor, that same person that you dealt with the very first time. And they stay with you for your lifetime at the Image Salon while you're working with them. It's not expensive to get started. You can send five images over to get a trial process on each of them and go for the different looks, see what they offer and test them out. It's really, really simple. It's theimagesalon.com. Parker, I've got to ask you, for the listener that, let me use me for an example. I've never shot a nude. Oh, actually, I lie. I've done one. <laughs> mm -hmm. But look, just let's say that was a long time ago and she asked me if she could be photographed like that. Uh-huh. But let's say well, I am. I see your work and I'm inspired to do something and I've never shot a nude before. How do I go about doing this? How do I find someone that wants to model for me and doing it the right way? Wow. Wow, that is that is a question I've never even thought about, which is strange. <laughs> Start with a friend. 
like start with someone that's close to you and that you can trust each other, have a third party with you, especially when you're starting out and just try to do something that is your voice. Like try to, you know, do you want to shoot form? Do you want it to be sexy? Like, okay, here's an interesting fact. I don't shoot boudoir because I think it's slutty. Really? Yep. Like these people are completely naked and bound. And I don't see that at all. There is no sex at all in these, in my eyes. But if you put a girl in her underwear, completely covered with her ass in the air on a bed, that no way I'm not shooting it. Don't do it. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's like all these people that shoot boudoir. I don't like, I'm not against it. Like, it's not something that, you know, I'm a prude about or anything. It just doesn't interest me at all. And I don't, you know, it's just like, I get it. It's for her husband. And, you know, I get all that. So every time I get asked for, you know, do you shoot boudoir? It's like, no, but I shoot this. And nine times out of ten, they'll be like, okay, I want to do that then. (laughs) Which is awesome. Because I can be more expressive. But you need something to start with. That's the difficulty. Yeah, and... You know, just come up with a concept, you know, and I don't, I don't know, be a dreamer, take drugs, drink a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like just, just, you know, do a whole series on nude croquet. Like I've never seen that before. (laughs) Okay. Come up with something. Yeah. Come up with a concept and just try it out. Okay. You know what? I look at your portfolio and I know you've been shooting for a long time and I think, why even bother starting? Like, where do I start? I can never aspire to have a portfolio like this. Is it worth even starting? Or do I just start with one and not show it? Like, should I be put off or should I be inspired to go out and create? No, you should totally be inspired to go out and create. I'll tell you another secret too. Not a secret, but last year at WPPI was the first time any of this work you're seeing on this website was shown like in public ever. Like the website did not exist before then. Yeah, why? Why keep this hidden away? It's one of my little weird things. I just sat with it and, and I hoard it. Like I'm a pack rat of imagery that means something to me and that's really all that matters. I find that is so far against what I'm seeing in the real world today. I mean, everything I see is shared everywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting to that point, like, you know, with the Instagram accounts and Facebook and this website, like this is all very new for me. Does it excite you? You know, it does because it's kind of opened a lot of doors that wouldn't have been open because of that and meeting people that I never would have met before. But it's not where I wanted this stuff to live, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm just trying to figure that all out. And I'm still sitting on a shitload of work that I'm not putting out in the world. It's like all my my stuff that is like completely close to my heart, it's still not out there. And I just, I'm going to sit with it. And that will go to galleries. And if you want to see it, you have to see it in person. I don't want you to see it on a freaking iPhone. You know what I mean? It's like, and then that was my problem. Most of all, it's like, I didn't have an outlet to share. That's why I've always had a gallery of my own. So people could come in and look at these things, you know, 40 by 60 in print form on silver and be like, holy shit. But when you look at it on an iPhone, an 8 by 10, like the definition and the clarity and the depth of the image, 
You can't see that on an iPhone. You can't see it on a on a big screen. But to see it in print, it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Would you think anything less if you walked into another photographer's studio and let's say you saw the same work, let's say it was for a hypothetical, but it was shot digitally. Would you think any less about that work? No, not at all. This is just what I choose because it's kind of therapeutic. It's the same reason I fly fish versus fish any other way. Yeah, I get that. It's because it's part of the process, you know, and that means a lot to me in my life and being able to do this. Yeah. I want to be conscious of your time and I know we have to finish up shortly, but if I was to ask you, and I've heard you mention motion and video and this new film, if I was to ask you what you're most passionate about right now, is it that film? No, no, it's still this stuff. I mean, I'm still like, you know, I'm shooting this stuff nearly every day, like very near to every day. I just looked at my Ilford supplies. So I shoot all on Ilford papers and Ilford films and I just looked and I realized I'm on my 3,000th box or 3,000th sheet of paper negs. So, and with, you know, a very low fail rate because I don't shoot that much and most everything I shoot comes out. It's like, you know, I got 2,000 of these things sitting in my vault that are different. So, yeah, I shoot constantly, constantly. Yeah. Are you shooting every day? Pretty much every day, yeah. I mean, there's a few days like, you know, I might be sick or something or maybe, you know, me and my kid are going to go fishing. But again, I'm going to shoot him fishing, too. So, you know, (laughs) we went out and hung in a hammock, you know, and I'm also doing this little test for a prototype thing coming out that's going to be very cool that I can't talk about. That's (laughs) the exact opposite of this, but yet very much the same. And it's friggin it's going to be really cool. What is this, hardware, software? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you can't drop that at the end. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, which is what I'm shooting tonight, actually. That's what I'm in the middle of. So, oh, yeah. Keep rubbing it in. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mate, this has been a real pleasure. Where is the best place for people to check out your work? Well, following me on Instagram is, is, you know, that's how you see updates and stuff, which is just, I think, at Parker J. Fister, if you're into the twisted stuff or the the meaningful (laughs) stuff or the serious stuff. And then at Parker J. Weddings is the Instagram for the weddings. And of course, ParkerFister.com is the fine art stuff, which is the serious stuff, and Parker J. Photo, which I am going to be launching the new wedding site in the next couple days. I had the guys over at Good Gallery make me another site, which is who made my fine art site as well, and I just absolutely love this thing. It's just clean, simple, and to the point. Are they built on WordPress? No, 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 no. Rob over at GoodGallery.com. They custom make it. This is an SEO giant. Like, it's powerful. So he does it all from scratch, and it's super easy. can have you up and running in like a day. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I'm going to add links to them and also to all your sites. Awesome. In the show notes. Uh, The listener, you can find the show notes over at photobizx.com forward slash TPX10, because this is episode 10 of the Photography Experiment podcast. I've got to say a big thanks to the Image Salon for sponsoring today's show. And I also want to say a big shout out 
to my recent iTunes reviewers, Anthony Guana, Jenna Myers, Dan McCreary, Anna Hamilton, Anita Watkins, and Joe Faherty. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And lastly, Parker, mate, seriously, a massive thanks for making time to do this. I know you're in the middle of a big shoot right now as we're talking, and it's just been fabulous to talk to you. Yeah, I can't believe an hour is up already. That's crazy. I could keep going, I can tell you. I feel like we didn't even talk about anything except (laughs) tying people up. Yeah, all right. I felt like I had the whip out and kept bringing you back to the same thing. Well, that's, you know, (laughs) that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, thanks so much, mate. It's been a pleasure. You are very welcome. Y'all have a good one. You've been listening to the Photo Experiment Podcast with Andrew Helmich, brought to you by PhotoBizX, the podcast to help you build a successful portrait and wedding photography business. To learn more, head to photobizx.com.